0: Welcome, everybody, to the very first Bills Beat episode done on the road. We've always talked about it. We've promised it before. And now it's here, and we're doing it. Um, It also just happens to be the first time we're podcasting about training camp. And uh, because we're now four days in, lots of things uh, have happened as... uh, and through those first four days two days of basically OTAs which Brian Dable kind of put it best and then also two days of padded practices so all in all some good work and I, I think uh I think the biggest topic of conversation without a doubt has to be all about Josh Allen I mean how could it not you have a rookie quarterback a first round quarterback a top 10 pick of a quarterback and that's kind of where we're gonna kick this thing off. But by, by the way, thanks everybody for listening. My name is Joe Biscaglia, uh with you as always, with uh, my trusty sidekick here, Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic, and uh, and yeah, this is it. It's finally here. It's gotten real, and Josh Allen is actually throwing passes. And I got to tell you, Matthew, there was one pass that he threw in uh, routes versus air where it uh, was completely inaccurate, and it basically uh skipped once toward my direction. I tried to thud it down and hit my hand, kind of stung my hand a little bit Throwing that out
1: there. Yeah, I mean, he he's had a few of those. Hasn't he the the ones that are just pretty badly off target and you know, a little wild at times, but I think he's also had the best throws of camp. Oh yeah. The best throws of camp belong to Josh Allen, maybe the 5 or 6 best mm-hmm. and maybe the 3 or 4 worst might belong to him as well. So those like you said that's kind of what you get with a rookie quarterback and it's especially what you're going to get with a quarterback like Josh Allen who does have some work to do and has, you know, some some fine tuning to do in terms of his footwork and other things like that, but it's been fun to watch. It's the first time I can remember Since I've been covering this team, this is the fifth training camp I've covered. It's the first time I can remember watching a quarterback do some of the things and attempt some of the throws that he does consistently on a practice-by-practice basis, not just once in a while. It's what he's looking to do. It's his default setting, and I'm sure
0: it's a a breath of fresh air for a lot of the fans watching in the stands as well. Oh, yeah, especially when you have someone like – AJ McCarron on the roster, who is essentially doing a lot of the same things that Tyrod Taylor did last year, where, you know, there's some hesitance to make a decision back there, um, and not really wanting to take too many chances, and even in a, a practice setting, I mean, uh, you can you can do that in a game and be a different guy in practice, but he's even doing it in practice, and so that having that uh, much of a stark difference between McCarron and what and what he does and then Allen and what he does I mean it's I I think it would you would be hard pressed to find uh Bills fans who come to training camp practices see him throw a football and and by the end of it them go oh yeah I still want AJ McCarron to start it's it's all about Josh Allen and whether or not he's actually going to be ready now it's I don't know what the point um, is for the Bills for uh, to to where they think to themselves, all you right, can't go any further. We we have to have Josh Allen as the starting quarterback, but he also has. I mean, the the one day that that stands out more than any for him was day three, which was Saturday, where he had the incredible touch throw to uh, Kalen Clay on a pick play that he, he was wide open hit him directly in stride scampered in for the for the score and then on the very next play hit cam phillips on an incredible back shoulder throw on a little uh on a little big route and that that was those were his two back-to-back best throws and then he followed that up with oh well, i'm feeling it now i'm gonna i'm gonna chuck it in the end zone again goes after austin Prohl on an out route and boom, Ryan Carter steps in front of it because he waits a touch too long, stares down his target, interception. Thus, the life of Josh Allen and what to expect from a rookie like Josh Allen. But I I don't mind mistakes like that. He had another pick,
1: you know, later in practice, you know, that went off Kelvin Benjamin's hands. But again, a throw where he gave Kelvin Benjamin a chance. Benjamin probably should have had it. It would have been a tough catch. And it ended up being a a really nice interception by Jordan Poyer, but it's just a lot different than what you see from the other two quarterbacks. That's not to say that he's leaps and bounds better than those other two quarterbacks. I think A.J. McCarron has, you know, definitely been kind of middle of the road. It seems like he's very quick to get the ball out of his hands when his first read is right there on a short pass. But after that, like you said, it's not totally different than what we saw out of Tyrod Taylor at times where he hangs onto the ball and Mm -hmm. doesn't really trust what he sees or doesn't trust his arm, whatever it may be difference being AJ McCarron, when there's live hitting is not going to be able to sneak out of (laughs) sacks the way that Tyrod Taylor did. Tyrod Taylor might be the best quarterback in the league at doing that. And so, there were a lot of negative plays that Tyrod Taylor avoided because of that that may creep into the picture with A.J. McCarron uh, under center. So I don't necessarily think that the decision at the end of all of this is going to come down to whether A.J. McCarron... You know, if A.J. McCarron's the starter, I don't think that's because he's so much better than Josh Allen. It may just be more about Josh Allen not being quite ready Mm -hmm. because I don't think it's going to be all that easy to sit there and say AJ McCarron gives us a much better chance to win it might (laughs) just be a situation of we don't we think putting Josh Allen in now might be detrimental long term right so we're going to continue to wait until the situation is right maybe it's a few games maybe you see what the offensive line looks like, how the rest of the offense is looking around the quarterback position before you throw Josh Allen to the Wolves, but Josh Allen's in the mix. He's he's not, you know, an overnight sensation by any means, but I think he's made it clear that that he's not going to go down quietly and I think Nathan Peterman kind of is a little bit.
0: Yeah, he he came back a little bit today on Sunday and and had I what I thought was his best practice of the four but he in the first three days he looked really nervous but back to McCarron for a second the holding on to the ball thing is I think where it all kind of goes downhill for him in you know just tracking what he's been doing these last three three days especially McCarron <laughs> my favorite stat of his in the last three days he has been sacked called on a sack seven times out of a total of 29 dropbacks which is 24.1 percent of the time in a training camp practice setting not even games like oh yeah it's he's in a game and and he's got to fight for his life and they're bringing him down and there's just a lot of I mean it's training camp just chuck it man just do something with it and a lot of the times his completions are just You know, these very short throws. I thought he did a better job today of of pushing the ball down the field a little bit than he did the previous day. But still, I mean, he didn't really have to do that much to be better at that today. And, And that all brings me to this point. I think A.J. McCarron is the absolute perfect quarterback for their situation because even if he is named the starter going into the season, he is just that type of quarterback that fans, by the time a month, a month and a half goes by, fans are just going to be like, I'm sick of this dude. Just put Josh Allen in already. And they're going to be begging for for Allen to be in. And so they don't really have a player on their hands that, that they're going to have to worry about stealing the job for good from Josh Allen. I mean, it's quite evident that Josh Allen is the most talented player at the quarterback position on the field. And I don't really know that there's much wiggle room with that statement.
1: Yeah, this, this isn't an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation where you're not sure when to take the guy out of the lineup because he legitimately does give you the best chance to win. And I think they would have been in that position, honestly, if Tyrod Taylor were still here. Yes, I I, agree. I, I really think they would have had a hard time justifying right away, at least, putting Josh Allen into the lineup, maybe the same way the Browns could. Uh, Like, you know, Tyrod Taylor's probably going to beat Baker Mayfield out. And, And so I think in that sense, A.J. McCarron is right for this situation in that you don't really have a guy that can keep Josh Allen off the field for too, too long. And he's not a guy that anybody's going to be necessarily inspired by or there's not going to be a controversy over things Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a general understanding that if McCarron wins the job or Peterman for that matter can't close the door on that that it's just not quite right timing for Josh Allen Mm -hmm. that does not mean that Josh Allen's career is over or that he's a bust or anything like that it's just a, a timing issue and and you know, making sure they they put him in at the right time, but McCarron he does have you know a certain steadiness about him that he runs the offense somewhat efficiently. He seems to have a command of it early on. He was pretty sharp today, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I agree. And you know, except and, for the two sacks, he, I, he was he was fine. The sacks are are an issue at times, you know. The offensive line hasn't uh, been the best either, so there's sure. that. Yeah. But he is a guy that when you move him off his spot or knock him out of out of rhythm or you know off his reads, he's not necessarily going to improvise and make plays, which I think is what leads to some of those sacks, uh, you know, these last few days. But he's the type of guy that can kind of keep things steady while you wait for Josh Allen to develop. Josh Allen could pass him in a few weeks. I mean, remember weeks two, three of camp with Nathan Peterman last Mm -hmm. year? Yep. The light bulb started to come on for him a little bit. Josh Allen's going to hit that point. He's going to have, you know, steps back, but he's going to have some steps forward, too. And I find it really hard to truly judge this competition until we see preseason games and see these guys in situations where. They will get tackled, and they will, you know, you know the other team is sort of scheming for them, not you know fully, but yeah. that type of stuff is where you learn a lot more. But already um, been a pretty interesting race through four days.
0: Yeah, I agree. I listen. I I said it after the third day that I thought Josh Allen has been the best of the three quarterbacks so far. I think I think McCarron probably made it a little bit tighter after day four. Um, if we're just judging it on the long view more than anything. But, you know, all that said, this is not going to be decided in practice, as as you said. This is this is a preseason game sort of deal. And I think once we get to that third preseason game, like right after that, we're gonna know. But and maybe they won't tell us, but we're gonna know who's the who's the best guy of the bunch. You know, I have a hard time believing that even after the preseason is done that we're all not sitting here saying hey you know what Josh Allen is the best guy for the job because it's it's clear that he has more talent and it's clear that he's willing to take more chances and to push the ball down the field I mean the one interception that you talked about the, the Jordan player interception I want him throwing that ball every single time because nine times out of 10 your six foot five wide receiver should be able to come down with that and that I think I put that more on him and maybe uh, on on uh, the cornerback and coverage who kind of messed with him a little bit. I, I, but I, I want the quarterback to continue to make that throw so I don't fault him at all for that. I think it's all just going to come to a situation where when you have Josh Allen, it's the it's the mental readiness part of things. Is he ready to take on being thrust into the spotlight that quickly into his NFL career? Is he ready to read defenses? Is he ready to do all of these intricate things that you don't want to, I guess, you you don't want to surrender those just to get him on the field because he is the most talented guy there. You want to do it right because you only have the one chance at it. So... Like I said, I think by the time the third preseason game comes and goes, Josh Allen is going to prove to be the best of the three. But that said, is he going to start? I I guess that's an internal battle that the Bills are going to have to have. Well, maybe more important to me, too, than the the mental
1: understanding and and different things like that, is he going to be ready to fail? Yeah. Because that's going to happen, and – I think there's been a few instances early in practice where, when things start to turn south for him, particularly night one, it seemed like it snowballed, mm-hmm. and that you saw those two really ugly throws at the end of practice that kind of went viral all over the internet. But the throws themselves aren't necessarily, you know, a glaring red flag, but you want to see a guy develop the, the mental toughness to be able to handle things like that because that's where his development could come off the rails a little bit Yeah. and you know obviously he needs to understand how to diagnose coverage and read things pre-snap and get everybody lined up and command the huddle but with think about some of the young quarterbacks that have struggled and that have you know really taken turns for the worse. I mean, E.J. Manuel probably being the most recent example for Bills fans. It was a confidence thing for him. And, I mean, we belabored this point in the spring after Josh Allen was drafted that if a guy's a franchise quarterback, if he's got what it takes between the years, he should be able to handle that Mm -hmm. as early as possible, as early as you need him to. And I think Josh Allen... Will be okay in that regard, but you have to make sure, and it, it all plays into it. And if they're not 100% comfortable, I mean, again, this is we've talked about Sean McDermott and whether he'll be willing to put the rookie into the lineup. It's definitely a, a legitimate question, and I think you know that's why it's too early to rule out Nathan Peterman, too, yeah. because that's a Sean yeah, McDermott, that's his pet. I mean, he loves <laughs> that guy, and right or wrong um he he kind of stands by him and yeah. so how long will it take him to admit that he need, because look at, in training camp the reps count in preseason the reps count those, those mean something especially to a number seven overall draft pick somebody you've invested significant resources in how long can you continue to divide them up right three ways right and the weird thing, too, is, yeah, they're occasionally sprinkling Allen in with the first team, but they're not putting him in with the second team very, up, at all, basically. Right. So how long does that keep up? Is this, you know, truly – are they giving Josh Allen a fair chance to win the job? Are they giving him a fair chance to win the backup job? I think at this point I'm comfortable saying all three of these guys are probably going to be on the roster. Yeah, I uh, think so, too. Unless there's a, a turn in the preseason – at some point. but Unless Peterman really comes that's through. The th- Peterman would have to really step up. Yeah, McCarron's the only one that can do. The go. way Peterman looks, I, I, I don't think he's going to be your number one. Maybe they would make him the number two, but I don't see them moving on from him either. No. Uh, and so I think that's going to become the interesting story because you get to a point in camp, where you have to stop dividing up the reps and you have to remember that you have to play games that count right and in the you have to
0: prepare for the season
1: so (laughs) you have to you know training camp isn't just about picking your quarterback it's about getting your offense ready with a new coordinator two new starters on three new starters really on the offensive line and figuring out how it all fits together with a new group of wide receivers so it's nice to have a true three-way competition, but I think you have to whittle it down to two at some point.
0: Yeah, I agree. Those are all really good points. Uh, I'm going to get off on a little bit of a tangent here because you, you, you said something that kind of, like, sparked something inside my head. Um, when you said, you know, the, the two throws on day one that went kind of viral, those those two short throws. Look, I think I think there is a gross confirmation bias going on and a gross overcorrection for that confirmation bias happening within the confines of social media here when it comes to Josh Allen it's either the people that just railed on him before the draft are taking any ounce of something that could even be perceived as negative and just running with it and just trashing him and you know on the flip side the defenders, the overcorrection, and some Bills fans are guilty of this, not all, but some, where they're so defensive about it that they take things that are fairly innocuous about Josh Allen and his performances, and they go into battle mode immediately because of the former group. Honestly, I think Allen should be given a fair shot, and I think Allen should be given a fair shot from, from, uh, from both of these sides to where you don't have these two sides constantly at battle. It's just, I don't know, I, I think it's slightly irritating, to, well, to be perfectly honest. I, I think those, I mean, maybe less so from the overcorrective side, but the, the defenders need to realize that not everybody's coming for him. Not everybody is trying to trash him completely and and I know there's a defense mechanism at play here but still I mean it's it's not always the case so just just when when you see something that is probably nothing but you kind of you just have this thing in the back of your head just take a breath just take a breath and do that and if you're one of those Josh Allen crushers just wait till he actually plays it's really not that hard just just let it, let the thing happen more than anything and I know that's going against the the confines of social media well this could be a deep spiraling
1: conversation on (laughs) social media and Twitter in general but it was something that crossed my mind today not even in regards to Josh Allen but just I was just thinking about the way training camp is covered in the Twitter age and even in my first training camp which was 2014 I didn't remember it quite like this, uh, and there was a what I remember about that camp in terms of Twitter was, you know, if Sammy Watkins made a sick catch and you got it on video, you know, that was going to be that was going to be good yeah. for, for your your Twitter your Twitter game. Yeah. But I don't quite remember the same, you know, over just over the top. Reaction on both sides, and this isn't even just a Josh Allen thing. I've seen it, you know, it's and it is a draft thing uh, on some level. Is hey, here's this guy I really liked, you know, watch him look at this technique he did in this individual drill, Uh, you know, what a stud, yeah, you know, or you know, this guy shut down this guy in one on ones, Uh, you know. Loved them coming out, you know, what a stud. <laughs> On one rap You know, right. you, and you see the videos all from training camp, and it's fun. You know, training camp's a fun time of year where there's a lot of, you know, talented people doing great coverage, uh, and it's fun to have it all kind of circulating at once. But the, the problem is when you take one clip or you take one tweet and, you know, make that, the reason why x or y you know this is my take because look at this tweet or look at this video and I know myself personally I mean I take a lot of my notes by hand when there's dead time in practice I'll tweet stuff out that I find noteworthy but you know I tweeted out today I mean Josh Allen legitimately had a completion to Robert Foster that was 50 yards in the air uh, just a rope and he sidestepped somebody in the pocket it was a nice play so I tweeted it out and you know there's obviously a lot of people get really excited by that but then there's the other people that say oh yeah what about the screen passes and it's like well relax yeah. Yeah. you know I'm just tweeting out this one but right I find somewhat noteworthy I'll, or you know you do the other thing and you tweet out yeah he missed a few ugly screen passes and people are like hey relax it's practice it's yeah. like well I know but, how about all the other uh, plays uh, that he uh, made right it's, it's like you can never please everybody but right. it's it's crazy how the just over-hungry over uh, people can get on, on either side to draw conclusions based on a few reps at practice or even four days of practice. This is a guy, you know, in Josh Allen, who there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, and if you attach your emotional well-being to every single one of them, you're going to need professional help at some point because <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, it is. We can only provide you so much soothsaying here on the Bills Beat podcast. Uh, yeah. we're not, we're not, you know, professionally trained in that area. So you need to just allow yourself to recognize that it that it it will be a bit of a bumpy ride. There will be highs, there will be lows, and not everyone you know, you're not going to get the answer on what day is it? July thirtieth, July 29th. You're it's not going to. Happy birthday, gonna Sarah. Get, you're not going to get. Uh, <laughs> your answer to is Josh Allen a franchise quarterback on July 29th, three months after he got drafted, like yep. that's not going to happen. So, uh, I think you have to take the long view with it. It'll probably be a couple years down the road before, you know, we know much of anything, uh, in regards to that. And I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes, the guy's barely played and, you know, look at the excitement level around him right. just because he hasn't played. Right. Uh, and so, I think if Josh Allen is in the lineup and he's getting the type of reps that he's getting, there's going to be some, uh, you know, overreaction on how he performs. But I would caution people to
0: not get too deep into that rabbit hole because you'll you'll never climb out. Right. And I'll give you two examples from from both sides of this that have happened uh, in my mentions within the past couple of days. The first was. Let's see. On the one side, someone parachuted in from wherever. I think Evan Silva of Roto World tweeted out one of my articles or something like that. And person goes, "Wow, what, what, a, what a, what a difference two opinions hat makes." One guy that this person tweeted about this this other person who said jo- Josh Allen was one of the worst quarterbacks, whatever. I don't know. And then and and then this person thinking talking about me said that he's been the best rookie quarterback in the league and I'm like no I didn't like like no I didn't you're you're taking things and running with it and then on the other side the the self-defense mechanism I tweeted out a a a strand of three photos of Josh Allen throwing a pass to Robert Foster to which Robert Foster stretched and corralled it with his fingertips and at the end of the play Foster had to double clutch it and, and and re-catch it but he still completed the catch and one person thought to themselves hey you're being too hard on Allen here i mean it was it was perfectly in stride it's like well it kind of wasn't if he had to stretch out for it but at the well, same who time cares? I, it, who cares he still completed <laughs> right. the pass it doesn't matter and it was more about hey Robert Foster just made this really good catch check this check it out check out how he got his fingertips on it and it's just like, like I said, we, we could get it. We could go really far into this, but I, I don't. I don't really. I, I think the the solution here is for everyone just to take a, a breath, honestly. And, and not everyone is guilty for it. And I, I know a lot of people out there are sitting that sitting there listening to this, nodding their heads, being like, "Guys, this is absolutely right." And no, I don't do this. But for the, those that do it, if you do it on Twitter, just 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 take a breath. Take a breath for your boys, because this is a. It's going to be a long ride. Things are going to happen, good and bad. And like Matt said, you don't want to paint yourself into a corner where you, you always have to feel like you're, you're ready to attack. Just, just let it happen. Well, you know, I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to take away from your ferociousness as a fan. Just let it happen.
1: Well, and if you really want to dive down a, a wormhole of stoic philosophy, I mean, tweeting about Josh Allen... Does not, is not going to impact one way or another whether he's good or not. True. Getting upset one way or another is not going to impact whether he becomes a franchise quarterback. Very true. What, what any reporter says about Josh Allen more than likely will not affect whether he becomes a franchise quarterback unless Josh Allen has a nasty social media addiction and just goes back and beats himself up in his dorm room over all the bad tweets about him none of this is going to have an impact. He's either going to be the guy or uh-huh. he's not going to be the guy. Yep. And that will happen in time. And there's nothing any of us can really do to impact that one way or the other. So what's the sense of getting bent out of shape? I think it's an interesting and unique spot for Bills fans to be in because they haven't had a quarterback
0: Who's been drafted this high? And it's also unique in the fact that I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback get railed on pre-draft more than Josh Allen well, has. Well, no, that's
1: the and again that I think that is a social media thing because yeah. what was it that I was thinking about was when somebody made you know some comparison to Ryan Leaf, and I thought to myself, <laughs> I, I thought to myself, imagine if Twitter were around
0: for Ryan Leaf. For
1: Ryan Leaf, oh I God. mean, that would have been insane. And, I, I mean, I don't even know what that would have been like. There probably would have been so many things that happened on a day-to-day basis that slipped through the cracks that people read in the San Diego Union Tribune in the morning that, you know, didn't circulate around social media. Who knows? I mean, I, I remember following when, you know, Jaguars fans were hanging on every single pass that Blaine Gabbert was throwing, but it was not to this level. And social media and draft Twitter wasn't quite to what it was. Otherwise, I think Blaine Gabbert might have gotten the Josh Allen treatment um, if Twitter had been a bit more active at the time. But there, I can't really remember too many quarterbacks that got kind of hammered the way Josh Allen did. I mean, even a Christian Hackenberg didn't, I don't think, get this Ooh, that type was of treatment. Close. And and he But Hackenberg wasn't a first, and that, that's the He was the a difference. second rounder. On the flip side, he had to play in New York, which is, you know, why I think he got quite a bit of scrutiny. But I I haven't really seen too much compared to what, you know, Allen got before the draft. And it created this weird psychological, uh, you know, element to everything where, you know, we talked about it. There were probably a lot of people who were rooting for them not to pick this guy. Right and now have talked themselves into them, as you should. I yeah, mean, why sure. not? You're, yeah. you got to root for this team or, uh, unless, you know, I don't know, you just quit for them. But <laughs> that's not really – Bills fans don't really do that. If you, they were going to quit, there would have been many more opportune times to do so yeah. than, than picking a quarterback. and yeah, I top tend to 10. agree with that statement. Um, but, so, you know, a lot of people talk themselves into them, but then there's the other – there's still those people that are like, well, I still think this guy sucks. So, you know, it's created a, a bit of a schism in the fan base a little bit. And then, uh, you know, Bills fans love to defend themselves from the national, the national media types. Definitely and, right. Um, what's interesting about that to me, though, is the big national media types, like the real big national media types, your Peter Kings and Mel Kuyper's, in the, dra- in the draft world, Mel Kuyper. Those guys, kind of Mike Mayock, they kind of liked Josh Allen. Yeah, and it's the football outsiders, um, you know, the other pro football focus. A lot of the analytics crew and and other well respected analysts didn't think highly of Josh Allen. So um, I, it it's a really weird because there there's not too many quarterbacks that are like universally before the draft. Everybody thinks they're terrible and. That seemed to be the thing people talked themselves into on Josh Allen. When he—he's not terrible. He's—he's he's he, not. He's just young, <laughs> and he's really not. He's got—he's—he's got, and he's, he's got he has some really bad tape. Yeah. Like there, obviously. But he's also got some really good tape. But he had some really bad teammates. He, he had, yep. There were a lot of—yep. Lot of factors. Oh uh, yeah. And not to make excuses or anything, but yeah. some was yeah. his fault. Some was not. You know who else had really bad tape, and I watched a lot of it in person, was Blaine Gabbert. I mean, and Ooh. I don't think he got that level of, you know, treatment yeah. from, uh, you know, because maybe it was, you know, he was a, a a dream in the media with some people, with the right people, uh, had a good agent, had a quote-unquote photographic memory, and, <laughs> and on the whiteboard, I mean... <laughs> You know, he, he had a lot of those things going for him, and he, he went to a, a Big 12 school, went to a Power 5 school. I don't know, but, I mean, there's a lot of these guys that had really bad tape. Sam Darnold had some bad tape. and
0: it, yeah. Oh, by the way, Sam Darnold isn't even practicing yet, so yeah. it could be worse. Listen, listen, my Blaine Gabbert cup is full. I can't talk <laughs> about Blaine Gabbert anymore well, without say, going
1: insane. Going insane. Joe is gonna drive this car off the 90 because I'm not.
0: I'm not done talking about Blaine Gabbert. I'll never be done talking about Blaine. If there's one thing I know to be true about Matthew Fairburn, is that he is never done talking about Blaine Gabbert. And I can bring anything back to for, Blaine Gabbard. for that. I respect him. All right, we're, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about the quarterbacks. I don't know if I ever want to dive into that social media wormhole again, but it, I, I think it was good for for therapy for the soul for for everybody involved here the listener us too i mean it's just i think the main takeaway is just hey let's 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 all take a breath here let's just uh, let 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 this thing fly let this thing uh cook a little bit all right um before we get into some of the other things we've noticed at camp time to get back to uh the the segment we didn't do it last time but the what we're working on and, and you just released a a whopper of a feature that uh, that I want you to talk about on on one of the main Bills defenders that they brought in this past year.
1: Yeah, um, right this morning about eleven o'clock or so over at, at the Athletic, I published a story on Trent Murphy, who is really one of the most interesting guys I, I've gotten to know uh, over the last few years. He some of the highlights uh, are. You know right before training camp started in the first defensive meeting room uh, Leslie Frazier asked him to get in front of the room Uh, last year it was sort of a theme where they had guys tell their stories and help people come together and all that and Trent Murphy talked about you know blowing out his knee and having uh, the game you know almost taken away from him and the PED suspension and what it did to his reputation and his dad is battling lung cancer, um, has been since Trent was in college, and all of these things kind of giving him this, you know, appreciation uh, for the game and, and life even. And the more I talk to people about Trent Murphy, it, it was funny. I went up to Harrison Phillips and said, uh, Harrison, I, I heard Trent gave a pretty passionate uh, speech, and he cut me off before I finished, and he goes, oh, yeah, you're talking about Utah? And I was like, no, but what happened in Utah? Go on. Uh, yeah. And he said, oh, well, you know, last fall we were big division game on the road. Trent Murphy and Harrison both went to Stanford. Uh, he's a like, big division game on the road. Trent was the honorary captain. He's like, he came in and lit into us. Uh, and uh, he's like, it was wild. I mean, he's like, hair standing on the back of your neck. He's like, I think a couple guys might've peed themselves. <laughs> he's like, it, it was pretty lit in that locker room. And, You know, then he got into the the speech he gave here. But I think my favorite story was Trent Murphy before he played his rival high school. It was the Saturday before the the game was on a Friday. That Saturday, he'd done his morning conditioning, done some some sprints, done some uh, film room lifting. Everybody goes home. Trent drives 25 miles from his high school to the rival high school and does up-downs on the field until he pukes. (laughs) And when his coach asked him to explain, he said, I wanted to make sure I left all of myself and more on the field. And so he just did up downs until he puked. I mean, this guy is uh very much A little crazy. Very much nuts. Very much uh wired to play for this team, wired to play in this locker room. But yeah, that's the that's the latest up there uh at the athletic. Tim Graham did a deep dive on Tremaine Edmonds and his family that is well worth your time. Still time to get in uh, on a discount. We've got 40% off for Bills Beat listeners if you go to theathletic.com slash Bills Beat. Um, I've been doing daily camp reports as usual. Tim Graham's been bumping around training camp, which always means he's up to something. So, um, And cover one, uh, Eric Turner has been out there as well. Um, and, you know, he's got... A few things coming down the pipe as well, so plenty of bills content. We're looking forward to kicking it into high gear for you guys uh, as the season gets going.
0: Yeah, and uh, over on uh, WKBW.com, um, if you haven't, we were hanging out with reindeers. I was. I mean, I was <laughs> hanging out with the reindeers today. Yeah, Beauvais and I have have gone into the theater of the absurd in our in our little uh, uh, Twitter video wrap up. lives in the theater of the absurd. Yeah, he really does. And if we're being honest. And you know what? I said to him today. When, when he's like what if we do what if we do it in front of the reindeer today and I'm just like you know what I love about you Beauvais I want I want Beauvais to just follow Beauvais' mind at all times because it's usually something ridiculous/ brilliant and I love that about him uh, Matt Bove who's my co-worker over at channel 7 uh, but at wkbw.com if you haven't yet um, go uh, go ahead and uh, check out the uh, the daily depth charts I've been doing. I mean it's something new I've been doing this year it's just it's it's always tough to kind of get a handle on who's on where so that's why I, th- I think it's it's kind of a cool thing for fans to be able to see like the movement as we're kind of going here and and you definitely do see um, random moves up and down the depth chart as we kind of go and all of it is you know just my site and my notes and and so it's very, very unofficial, but still, it's it's something that uh, that that uh, you might be interested. in. And then, of course, my my daily observations, which I've done for basically the past decade now, that uh, that uh, fans seem to seem to enjoy a time or two. So, so yeah, that's all over at wkbw.com. All right, back to some uh, camp observations uh, thus far. I think the guy I want to start this off with is someone you alluded to, and who I think for my money is one of the stars of camp so far in the first four days. And that's Harrison Phillips. I think he has been incredibly good um, at penetrating the backfield, being a disruptor. And that really isn't his role too much from the one technique position. And he did it through the first three days. And so it, it led me to the point where I asked Leslie Frazier this morning, the defensive coordinator of the bills, Hey, with him showing, the ability to get in the backfield. Is there any thought of putting him at three technique, which is more geared towards being a disruptive uh, pass rushing interior player? And Leslie basically said no. Leslie was like, well, you, you know, we don't want to overload him at this point. Uh, he's so young into camp, everything like that. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they might do it down the line. Lo and behold, an hour later, he's out there as the three technique defensive tackle with Kyle Williams taking a rest day. Right next to Starla Toulay, and I'm like, "WTF, Leslie?" But I get it. It's coaches don't want to give too much away. Yeah,
1: I think he might be. Well, so when I watch Harrison Phillips do the one-on-one drills, all I can think to myself is how much it must suck to block Harrison Phillips. Yeah. Because his hands are so powerful. Oh, I know. He always gets them right up into the chest. Of the offensive lineman, I've seen Vlad Dukas walk away from a few reps, just kind of like recollecting himself, and probably just thinking, like, "What the hell? Like, yeah. this is practice, dude. Like, he has no off switch. He's a he is an animal. He's another one of those guys, you know, like Trent Murphy, that's just a dog on the defensive line. And I think they need to find a way to get him on the field and.
0: Who Phillips started, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah I agree. Phillips. And
1: and Starla Tululei, I thought, you know, I think is he's Starla Tululei. Yeah. The the space eater, super powerful, and has looked the part early in training camp. But you know, if either he or Kyle Williams needs a blow, which happens, then Harrison Phillips should just be the guy. Yes. That just absolutely moves between the spots because, I, the idea of overloading him to me, I think is a little silly this guy is brilliant he's really really smart and he played kind of all over the place at Stanford and in a NFL like scheme at Stanford if anybody is prepared for that type of role it's Harrison Phillips the only question I think in my mind was you know, physically is he going to translate and is he ready to just jump in and be that type of guy I think he is he looks like he is mm-hmm. and if he is I don't think mentally it's going to be a problem switching from one to three technique and he's got like a gas tank like nobody else in terms of you know the word motor is tossed around I don't even know if motor describes it it's more the stamina that he can play with uh, a at jet that engine if you that will he can <laughs> you know can really keep things going for a long time not just on a single play being non-stop, but being able to bring it play after play and have that intensity all the time, I think they need to find a place for him yeah. in the rotation. And it's just, he's so much more inspiring than any other defensive lineman they have outside of Kyle Williams and well, Starla Tula.
0: Well, it's his speed off the snap, which is very good, which is great for a, a disruptive interior player. Um, it's his hands. I mean... There are were a couple of reps. One yesterday, one today. The one yesterday, he was going up against, oh, who was it? Uh, Marshall Newhouse. He's going up against Marshall Newhouse, and Newhouse put his arms out to engage, and Harrison Phillips literally took his right arm and just, like, chopped it down, and it was so hard that Newhouse went to the ground. And then Phillips was in there like that. And then um, the play today against Russell Bodine. I mean, Bodine tried to engage. Phillips gave him one little chop and then an inside rip move to get to get inside. Bodine's on the ground. Those are two players that have started a lot of games in the league. And Bodine has probably been the better of the two centers at camp so far, at least in, in my mind. So when you have Phillips routinely just taking – veteran players and tossing them aside there is something there and and his move to three technique today and I know Kyle Williams wasn't practicing so it's probably not a permanent thing but it's indicative of a few different things one that the coaching staff has seen these really good reps from Harrison Phillips and they're thinking to themselves well we got to find find out if this kid can do this from this position too two that that uh, he's doing so with the first team, mind you, in in reps. He was splitting reps with Adolphus Washington. And three, it also points out the overall lack of faith in Adolphus Washington to be that guy, to step in for Kyle Williams if they need him to. So all in all, this is, for them, this is a situation where they have such a solid player on, on their hands and... Well, and we're court. only four days in, but he looks the part, and it's it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. And what has
1: Adolphus Washington done in his career in college or in the NFL to suggest he's better at three technique than Harrison Phillips? Is? Nothing. I it, mean,
0: it was a it was a baffling pick. They they haven't found a home for him since they since and the And I don't even here. know
1: that three technique is the best home for Harrison, right. Phillips, Or for Adolphus Washington, right. rather. I, I think. He's maybe better suited to move over to one technique. But I'm he not. played it
0: last year, and he was terrible. Right, that's what I mean. <laughs> uh,
1: that's what. And again, I'm I'm not an expert. Uh, you know, Sean McDermott's coached a lot more defense than I have in my life, but uh, I would think uh, just his skill set and body type, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And in fact, going into the draft, they needed probably a, a three technique worse than yeah. they did. And man, I mean you watch Harrison Phillips and you think "What the hell was this guy doing in the third round? Right. I mean, I, I remember when we were down in the senior bowl and you know, I was looking at him and he talking to people down there, it sounded like he was in the first round conversation. I mean, there's absolutely nothing off the field that would, you know, drop him down the board. Right. He, it was one of those guys that people thought, well, he's not big enough to be a nose and he's not quick enough to be a three. Well, maybe he's just strong enough and, quick enough to do both right and a lot of people might have missed who knows
0: yeah i i honestly i i don't i don't think the bills really hold uh Adolphus Washington in high light um in in a high order and i would not be shocked if if the final cuts come through and Adolphus Washington is on the cut list i would not be shocked at all and Maybe we see a situation where Harrison Phillips is the is the main backup for both uh, Latulule and Kyle Williams, and I could definitely see a guy like Ricky Hatley making the 53-man roster because he's a solid one technique. And if you have someone who is much better at three technique in Harrison Phillips than Adolphus Washington, quite literally, Adolphus Washington has done nothing in camp so far. He's made he's won one one-on-one rep out of like nine. Like that that. Not great. Not great for him. And that's kind of his MO, right? I mean, you when you watch his tape from college, you saw a guy that would make a play one out of every like 40 to 50 plays. And that play makes you keep hanging on, but it's also like, well, what is he doing the rest of the time? And that's exactly what he's been in the NFL too. He's made a couple of flash plays, but every time else he's like, Well, I mean, he kind of stinks. He's, he's He hasn't been that good. So I would not be shocked at all if Adolphus gets cut by the end of it. And that that's just uh, a, a part of why, and us even thinking that, all has to do with how impressive Harrison Phillips has been early on in the camp. Again, only four days in, a lot of time to go here. Need to see him in a preseason game. But I'll tell you what, you, you, can, you can usually tell when some guys – some guy has the ability right in training camp practice, Harrison Phillips has ability. And I'm really looking forward to see him play in an actual game setting. And when it comes to
1: Adolphus Washington, this regime hasn't exactly been shy about moving on from guys oh God, no. that aren't part of their regime. And right. Adolphus Washington is one of the few left. And yeah. so they have really no reason that guy would not be on this roster if Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott were running things. And so, you know, when that draft uh, was happening. So they're not beholden to him in any way, shape or form. And so he's he has to do a little something. It could be an Allen Branch situation like a few years ago. True. uh, Where the whole time you think, oh, yeah, he's he's a fixture. He's in he's in the mix. And then he ends up on the chopping block and, yeah. and needs to find a, a new new home because I think
0: it's just hard to see how he fits in and it he really hasn't is. done enough
1: to separate himself.
0: Yeah. It, it, I totally agree with you there. And especially if they end up keeping Shaq Lawson. I mean, even Shaq Lawson can can give you some reps at defensive tackle too, so uh, I just, the more, the more I think about it and the more I see him perform and those two guys, Phillips and Washington perform, the more I think that Washington is just an expendable piece. And I don't know that you could trade him for anything. I, he has not done enough in the NFL. I think they overdrafted him when, when they got him in, in the third round a few years back. I, I, I'm telling you. Do not be shocked to see Adolphus Washington's name on the cut line um, at, at the uh, early stages of September. All right, has anybody stood out to you besides Phillips? I think Malachi Dupree. Yeah, totally Is agreed. one of those
1: guys that we mentioned a little bit in the spring. Then he got hurt, but he's he stood out in that he's getting a ton of reps mm-hmm. uh, across, mm-hmm. you know, first and second team. In the slot on the boundary, he's been kind of all over the place, and he's making enough plays to the point where you think this is a top four wide receiver yep. on the roster. And I know everybody loves Brandon Riley, but you know, start to get used to the idea of Malachi Dupree because I think he brings a little bit more to the table um, f- physically, uh, you know, with speed and size, and a uh, guy who was a, a big time recruit. Uh, coming out of high school, so he's got some talent and he's starting to show it. And Zay Jones is going to have to figure out how he fits into the picture because totally right. Kelvin Benjamin, Jeremy Curley have been kind of the fixtures. Malachi Dupree's been getting into the mix. Robert, Fox, I mean everybody, it seems like has gotten first team reps at some point. Um, it's truly wide open uh, at wide receiver, but Malachi Dupree more than just about anybody else in that group has stood out. Uh, Other than the fact that I'm very interested, I mean, it's a completely separate conversation, but just this offense and how different it looks Mm -hmm. is, you know, very interesting for the wide receivers, for Kelvin Benjamin lining up in the slot a lot, uh, almost playing a Gronk-type role in this offense. I think that – I think people are going to be very – Pleased when they see it in action for the first time. Yep. They may not have the personnel to run it and execute it at the level that they want to yet, but just the creativity and what Brian Dable is
0: trying to do is so much different than what Rick Dennison did a year ago. Yeah, it, it's night and day. And to the wide receiver point, I mean, there have been a lot of guys filtering in. I've also noticed that they've kind of honed in on four guys being you know the the top so to speak and this is without Zay jones practicing at all through the first four days those four guys are to who you brought up kelvin benjamin who is obvious jeremy curley who i mean when special teams is happening jeremy curley is over to the side throwing footballs with kelvin benjamin so that's a pretty good indicator that yeah, he's, he's probably he's in safe. good standing and the other one is andre holmes Those four guys have been getting first-team reps more consistently than anyone else. And, of course, Robert Foster has filtered in here and there. But, by and large, it's been those four guys. And so, when you have a guy like Dupree, who is pretty similar to Zay Jones, if you think about it, just based on stature, route-running ability, everything, speed, everything along those lines, and Dupree is having a more consistent camp, well, I mean... Zay Jones is having a non-existent camp, but Malachi Dupree is having consistent hands, which we didn't really see from Zay Jones last year. I I wrote about this today in my observations at wkbw.com. Zay Jones, even even though he was running from one sideline to the other, seeming like he might be getting closer to getting ready, I I don't know that he's guaranteed just to get in there and get first-team reps. No. I think I think he's got to work his way up, and 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 if you think about it. I mean, this is not a guy that Brandon Bean drafted. What does Brandon Bean owe Zay Jones? What does he owe him? I mean, does he owe him the benefit of the doubt in a, the most bizarre offseason incident, as as you'll hear about? It, he gave him some goodwill there. He's like, "All right, get here, get your head right, get into camp, let's let let's let's do this thing." But now that incident is keeping him off the field, according to. Um, Tim Graham who works with you at the athletic uh, that that surgery to um, repair the laceration what is it right right below his right knee below cap. his kneecap that's that's what it was I mean and the bills are being a little weird about it because they you know
1: Brandon Bean was asked about that but the he's fact, on NFI he's on the NFI list so if it was something that happened football related then uh, you know that would be he would, that would be a different
0: designation and so. the most damning thing bean actually saying yeah he's behind Right, which is which is big. Bean doesn't often do that. He'll he'll do it every once and again. Like I remember a time last year. It was right before the fourth preseason game, right after Marcel Darius uh, had had showed up, uh, had missed the team bus over to over to the Ravens Stadium. Hey, who hasn't? Right? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I sure have. Um, right after he did that, right you before have the. Actually. I missed the team bus. Oh. <laughs> Are you talking about London? Yeah. Are you talking about London? Oh, London. Well, I mean, I just took I took the tube down. Something about glass houses and stones and such. How dare you? How dare you? Well, I, I don't really jump on that. It, it was it was a London thing more than anything. Anyway, um, right after that, I, I remember talking with Beam just for our pregame show, and and. I asked him point blank, even though all the uh, there's all this cap cap situation, everything like that. If Marcel Darius doesn't buy in, will will you move on? And and he said point blank, yeah. Anybody that doesn't buy in, we are willing to move on. No no matter what what it uh, it would take. And right then and there, it's like whoa. Bean will throw down the hammer if if he needs to. And I think it might not have been as big of a hammer for Zay Jones but a hammer nonetheless to sit there and say yeah he's behind and i honestly think zay's got got his work ahead of him to he's got he's got to get back to practice quickly or else i don't i don't know if he's going to make the starting lineup i really don't and he's
1: not so it's not like he was so good last year that you need to have him in the starting lineup right highest
0: I mean. drop rate on catchable passes in the NFL last year and i do think you know
1: You don't want to give up on the guy. No, definitely not. By any means. But I think at the same time, you have to, when you're a regime like they are, where, you know, the, your word salad always consists of compete and earning your spot and earning the right to win and yada, yada, yada. Well, that should apply here. And Yep. Malachi Dupree is earning it at the moment, and Zay Jones isn't, maybe not through fault of his own, necessarily, uh, kind of, a little bit, but injury, whatever it may be, if it's a true competition, and you're not just handing out spots, if you're not just saying that to say it, then I think you have to give Dupree an honest shot to win the job, because let's face it, it wouldn't be the first time that a late round or undrafted guy was a better option than a second rounder. Not just here, but anywhere around the league. I mean, remember when Sean Charles Henderson consistently beat out Cyrus Gwandra? It happens. I mean, and it admitting your mistakes, I think, is such an important quality to have as a general manager in the NFL. And it's something that this group has not shown that they can do. They haven't had a lot of opportunity to do it because it's so early but admitting your mistakes is important. If you mess up that's one thing. You're going to miss but being able to identify your miss and moving on and, and applying your standard to everybody. It's very easy, very easy to walk into a building and say this is how we do things. You, you and you don't fit. Get out. It's a lot harder to look and say, Wow, this guy that we did all this work on, this guy that, you know, we identified as somebody who fit, isn't acting how we want them to act, or isn't, you know, performing how we want them to perform and not fitting in and they've gotta go. You know, I, I think that's harder to do and not for nothing. I mean the LaShawn McCoy situation applies a little bit here too, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, totally right. I think you know the fact that they're backing him 110% isn't inherently wrong because he hasn't been charged of anything and there's a long way to go in that investigation. But it doesn't look good if this thing turns the other way, right? If you're sitting there and you say, you know, in a month from now, things turn south for LaShawn McCoy and you were backing him 110%. You you know, after last year, you know, Marcel Darius missed a bus, and, you know, a few other whatever may have happened, and he says, and, you know, that's a guy that you unload for a fifth or sixth round pick. So, you know, I think it's important to just pay attention to those types of things. As you're, you know, Sean McDermott's mentioned before, every year is a new culture, quote-unquote. Every year is a new team, and... That's very true because this team is so much different. There's so many guys on the roster that don't really care what happened last year. They don't understand the weight of the playoffs or what that meant to bring this team together. And there's some important guys on this team that don't, like Star Latulele. You know, I'm sure he has an appreciation, but he wasn't here. You know, Trent Murphy wasn't here. Tremaine Edmonds wasn't here. Josh Allen wasn't here. A lot of these guys weren't here. So when you're applying your culture, it becomes even more important once you've put together a roster that's all your guys. Uh, And when those guys step out of line or aren't performing, that you're willing to apply the same standard from the top of the roster on down.
0: I think the main thing I land on here with Bean, though, is that he wouldn't even have to admit a mistake on say Jones. Oh, no, he wouldn't. And that's... that's... He doesn't have to do that with
1: anybody that was drafted that year. And that's a a sneaky... uh, A sneaky... Piece of the whole puzzle when it comes to, you know, how these guys are going to be viewed. Uh, you know, when a few years down the line, you got to kind of judge the work they've done. That was not Brandon Bean's draft. Nope. And I, it's an interesting part of the quarterback puzzle too, because if Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are head and shoulders better than Josh Allen, you know that's not. Necessarily, Brandon Means' fault. Nope, because he wasn't the one that sat there and
0: passed on those guys. Right. It it would be the Bills' fault for not. Whoop! Oh, Mike just went fine. It would be the Bills' fault for not uh, not cutting ties acting, with Doug Whaley earlier, admitting a mistake, right. and firing Doug Whaley.
1: And it would be Sean McDermott's fault. Yep. For putting, you know, maybe too much on his own plate, or or just not trusting enough to, because that draft, we'll probably never know the full story behind it, but I'd love to see what Doug Doug Whaley would have done. Like, what would his board have looked like? Because anybody who
0: sits here and says, well, that was
1: Doug Whaley's draft, I think is a little bit naive, and I think... I
0: think Deshaun Watson would be the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills right now.
1: It's very possible. I I, I don't know for sure, but... Or maybe it would be Patrick Mahomes. Who knows? Like, we don't really know what Doug Whaley, you know, liked at that position or really. Right. You know, he never had his true crack at it. It felt like it was kind of a half-baked move with E.J. Manuel in a down year for quarterbacks. But Thanks, buddy. Um, I think, I don't know, it's just interesting to think about because, you know, they did pass on two guys that people are pretty excited about at the moment and have ended up uh, with an exciting prospect of their own, but that's how it's going to be judged, not just against Josh. Now, if Josh Rosen is a stud, that's on on Bean. That's on everybody. That's on, yeah, everybody on down, but that draft was not Bean's, and so the pieces they're in are not
0: necessarily the safest. Nope. All right. Uh, Four days of Bill's training camp is done. Now, uh, they have a day off on Monday, which is why we're doing this podcast. So you can catch up, take a breath, get ready for day five. Day five is not uh, open to the public, uh, and uh, I kind of wonder if Josh Allen might get first-team reps that day. Uh, we'll just we'll just keep that. Between well, I think us. the main
1: um, reason it's not open to the public is they're going to use that side field over in the uh, corner gotcha. to give the other field a rest. Gotcha. And there's nowhere really for people to sit, and you wouldn't be able to see anything. That Remember when sense. they practiced there a couple times last year and took everybody just off,
0: sitting in the stands looking at an empty field all day. Oh yeah, not ideal. No, not ideal whatsoever, and they've been. Having all of their action uh, outside of defensive uh, individual drills on that uh, main grass field there. So it's. And the uh,
1: Bills uh, have. We've got s- some news. Ryan Russell has been signed by the Buffalo Bills. Who they released. And they released
0: Owa Adigizuwa. Ah. Uh, which is great because
1: now I don't have to spell Owa Adigizuwa anymore.
0: I've. Uh, I've come to terms with how to spell Oa I Had to actually just learned to do it. I did it for the first time without looking,
1: and ah, now they cut him. So good,
0: good for you. Um, he has not been good in camp so far, and it's it's been quite was odd. not good past tense. Yeah, he, yeah, he was not gone, but good. not forgotten. He might be forgotten. Brian Russell right? is. Yeah. Uh, That's a former third round pick, by the way, Odigizuwa. Yeah, he
1: case in point. Yep, not all. High draft picks are are worth their weight in
0: gold. All right, so R.I.P. Owa Odigizuwa on the Bills, um, and R.I.P. Uh, this this version of the podcast because I think that's where we're going to leave you. We um, just passed through the tolls. We did time. just pass through the tolls, so that is a uh, an omen to say, hey, we have passed through your hearts. We will talk to you next week. Uh, let's let's think about doing this uh, after the. The one in Orchard Park um, yeah, on I Friday practice, that'll that, give us four more. I think that might be a good idea. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us. Training camp has been fun so far, going to continue to be fun. How much more are they going to put on Josh Allen's plate before they get to the first preseason game? These are all things that uh, the Bills will have to answer in, in the coming days. So... For Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening to our On the Roadcast podcast on the Bills Beat here, however you're listening to us. And uh, we will talk to you after some practices next week. See ya.